Marvel Studios News. My name is Sean Gerber. This is episode 67 of our show. We're on the road to Infinity War, but this is going to be a little bit different. I'm flying solo for this one because we're not going to be talking about a Marvel Studios film of the past. We're going to be talking about one of our very near future. I'm going to be talking about, of course, Avengers Infinity War, specifically the brand new trailer that came out the day before I'm recording this episode. And I wanted to take some time to break down the trailer and also answer some of the questions that it's inspired uh, in, in all of you. So I'm going to be taking some time to do that. Before I get started, though, I, of course, want to thank our latest patron. That is Hellwalk, who joined us on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. All of our patrons get exclusive content on our show. Uh, so when we do an episode especially when we've been on this road to Infinity War, which if you haven't kept up with the show, that's okay. I'm sure with the new trailer, this is probably going to bring back some people who haven't heard the show in a while or maybe have never heard the show ever. And if that's the case, welcome back or welcome. Um, so what we've been doing on the road to Infinity War is each week we've gone back over another Marvel Studios film. So in our most recent episode, it was Guardians of the Galaxy. Our next episode, will be going to Avengers Age of Ultron. And we look back at the buildup to those films, and then, of course, our first viewings and the legacy or the memories of those films ever since. So that continues along. But then we also do Patreon credit scenes, which are exclusive to our patrons, where they actually get to, they get to have an extra 20 to 30 minutes, usually, of content where we're talking about what maybe connects the film we just talked about to Infinity War. We also break down some of the latest news that maybe wasn't covered in the main show. Uh, we also do entire exclusive episodes, including Q&A shows, like we have our Black Panther Q&A coming up. So that will be part of this very, very soon. Um, in fact, that's already been recorded, so it'll be up on our Patreon very, very soon. So we have all that going on. And the cool thing about the Patreon page is when you do sign up, you actually get an exclusive RSS link that you can put into your podcatcher like Apple Podcasts. And we put the main shows on that feed too so that that way when you subscribe with that RSS link, that again, that is private and just for you, you get all of our content in one place. So all of the exclusive Patreon stuff and the main show that's available everywhere else so that that way you don't have to hunt down the Marvel Studios News podcast in two different locations. It can all be in one spot as convenient as conveniently as it can be for you. So the last thing I want to say before I jump into some of these questions is I also want to let everybody know where else you can find us. You can find us at marvelstudiosnews.com. That's where I write every single day about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You can also find us on Facebook. If you haven't already, please head over to our Facebook page. Just search Marvel Studios News on Facebook or facebook.com slash News. Give us a like, and of course, if you see this podcast on there or you see any articles you like, feel free to like, share, and comment. All that stuff makes a huge, huge difference, and we appreciate that support. And also give us a follow over on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. You can also follow me if you want to at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So I have a lot of thoughts on the Avengers Infinity War trailer. I actually cut together a breakdown on the Superhero News YouTube channel that I also contribute to. So I, I put out a video where I took both of the trailers and the Super Bowl spot. I recut them and kind of sequenced them just to kind of illustrate how I see the movie coming together. So the only thing with that video is I did put kind of a mild spoiler warning out there on the video. And, and I'll probably say the same thing about this podcast. Now, I won't talk about any inside info stuff or I don't really have anything on Infinity War anyway, but... 
I'm not talking about any of that. I'm not talking about any spoilers that might have been learned or speculated on elsewhere, although I guess there might be some, I might accidentally spoil something by speculating, but it's really, everything's going to be based on footage that's been officially released by Marvel, so those two trailers of the Super Bowl spot, um, or it's going to be based on stuff that the filmmakers have shared uh, very publicly in interviews, knowing that it was all going to be published, so stuff that they put in the set reports or the Entertainment Weekly coverage, all that stuff that I consider to be fair game because I don't think it, it it must not be much of a spoiler if the filmmakers are willing to have that information out there before the movie is released. So all that stuff I factor into my thoughts as I tried to put together um, that little supercut trailer breakdown that I did on Superhero News and also will inform, again, the answers that I give to the questions today and any additional thoughts that I offer. So I will throw out that caution. If you don't really want to know or speculate on how things come together, then thanks for listening up until this point. And then hopefully you'll enjoy our Age of Ultron episode uh, episode next. So I'm going to go ahead and get into the questions now. And I'm going to start with the questions that came in on our Patreon, because that's another advantage when I do Q&A shows like this that are going to be distributed for everybody. Our patrons get to go to the front of the line with their questions. So um, one one last thing I want to note before we uh, before we get started before I answer the first question though is I'm sure most of you already kind of saw the news yesterday but tickets went on sale for Avengers Infinity War and I was just incredibly impressed by the fact that Avengers Infinity War in six hours so from six a.m. Pacific time when tickets hit, when tickets first went on sale to noon Pacific time Avengers Infinity War sold pre-sold more tickets than any superhero film in history. The previous record holder was Black Panther, and the record holder before that was Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice in 2016. And I'm not surprised that Black Panther, or I'm sorry, I'm not surprised that Infinity War broke the record for advanced ticket sales. I figured that would happen. I did not anticipate, however, that it would only take six hours. Remember, these are films that set their records over the course of weeks of being on sale. It didn't even take a day. It took a quarter of a day for Infinity War to have that, to set a new record. And now it's just going to be building on that record from now all the way until the film comes out because that's all going to be considered the advanced ticket sales. Now, advanced ticket sales are not always a accurate indicator or it's not always, it doesn't always work in conjunction in quite the way that you think in terms of advanced sales and that eventual box office. But I think in this case, we're definitely looking at a situation where Avengers Infinity War could have Marvel's biggest opening, which it has, it's 207 million, or I think like 207.4 million or somewhere around there for Avengers from 2012. That's still Marvel's highest opening weekend. Uh, Black Panther, of course, came in second. It's the only other Marvel film to have over $200 million uh, in its domestic opening weekend. I think at this point, Infinity War is probably going to go over Black Panther and over Avengers, and then it's just a matter of how much higher it's going to go. But we won't really know until the film hits box office tracking, which will be three weeks ahead of its uh, April 27th uh, release date. So it'll take a little while before we'll see some actual tracking on that, but I think we're going to see some very, very, very high numbers uh, coming in once everybody starts... uh, once. Once industry tracking and all those surveys and all those polls go out, we start seeing moviegoers obviously having a very, very, very high level of interest in Infinity War. But let's go ahead and jump into the questions. First one comes from Carrie Vanderberg. 
what do you think is going to happen to the Sokovia Accords with this movie? It's an interesting question because the Sokovia Accords are, of course, the issue that uh, they were the centerpiece of Captain America's Civil War, and that's what everybody was arguing about. I mean, certainly it became more personal by the end of Captain America's Civil War between Steve and Tony and Bucky, so we know that's all part of it. But um, I'm not sure how it's going to factor into Infinity War. I I could see it getting some mention. I mean, it has to come up a little bit. Otherwise, Civil War almost just, it, it almost seems pointless. Um, I mean, you could say, well, I shouldn't use, I shouldn't say that because the conflict in Civil War obviously became about something much more, uh, at least emotionally anyway, it became about things that meant much more to the Avengers than the, the Sokovia Accords themselves ever could. But I think you still are going to have that factor in a little bit, but I don't think it will last very long because once there's an alien invasion coming in and people are uh, having to defend New York, because like we see in the trailer, New York is attacked, Wakanda is attacked, all these other places are, are are under attack, not necessarily all at once, but when that's happening... I think pretty much everybody would agree that they want the Avengers to step in because remember the Sokovia Accords don't say nobody gets to be a superhero anymore. It says they say you get to be a superhero when we say so. And I'm pretty sure once Earth is under a huge alien threat like they were in the Avengers in 2012, um, 2012 being the year it came out, not necessarily the year the story took place. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Sokovia Accords will maybe be a blip on the radar but for the most part once the heavy attack starts it's everybody has to everybody's going to agree that earth needs to be defended by the superheroes that they have in place so i i don't think it will be much of an issue the bigger issue will be solving the emotional rift between the avengers because there's obviously much bigger and more personal things that happen uh with with respect to the avengers and it'll be interesting to see how all of that uh, how all of that plays a uh, plays a role in this Another question from Carrie. Which characters who normally don't get to interact with each other do you want to meet and see a short conversation with? I.e., which meet cute do you want the most? Rocket and Shuri, Tony and Shuri, Black Widow and Gamora, Hulk and Drax? Um, it's a really good question. I don't really know what number one would be on my list because I'm sure as soon as I mentioned something in the number one spot, then it's going to very quickly turn into, uh, you know, I'm going to very quickly think of something else and want that to be number one. But off the top of my head, I think the number one for me is actually Tony and Rocket. Now, I don't know that Tony Stark and Rocket are going to meet because based on what we're seeing in the trailers, their paths do not intersect. Uh, because Tony starts off in New York with Banner and Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. Banner obviously goes elsewhere because he ends up with Captain America's side of, of uh, the Civil War rift. Uh, we see him with them later as they uh, enter Wakanda. So, uh, and then when Tony is with, when Tony does meet up with Guardians, which look, appears to happen on Titan, I don't think Rocket and Groot are not, I don't believe Rocket and Groot are there. I think Gamora's there, Drax is there, and Star-Lord is there, um, or at least I hope Gamora's there, but I don't remember. I think I did see her there in the D23 footage. I don't know that she's been shown on. I can't. I'm, I'm thinking maybe I did, but I don't. I can't recall for certain, and she. I don't remember if she's shown up in, on Titan in any of the uh, Infinity War footage we've seen in the trailer as a Super Bowl spot, but the Guardians kind of split up, it looks like, after they find Thor. The Guardians... 
Thor goes off with uh, Thor goes off with Rocket and Groot, which is on the mission that's going to take them to where Thor gets his new weapon, the hammer slash axe Stormbreaker, uh, which is the name of the hammer that Better Ray Bill got to use uh, that that Odin had made for Better Ray Bill in the comic books. Um, but it also just looks like Thor's the ultimate version of Thor's hammer uh, from those comic books. But anyway, so it looks like they go off with their direction. And then we know from the Entertainment Weekly uh, article that Thor and Rocket make it to Wakanda um, and they end up teaming up with some of the other heroes. But we haven't heard that Tony and that team, the team that goes to Titan, so those Avengers and those Guardians, we actually haven't heard that they're that they've come to in or seen them come together. And so I'm hoping that we get an interaction at some point between Tony and Rocket. Um, I loved the quick little intera- interaction we got between Star-Lord and Tony in the trailer that was released yesterday, but I really want to see Tony and Rocket just because Rocket is the most savage of all of uh, Marvel's sarcastic characters. So to see somebody who could be rude and throw pun- throw verbal punches that even Tony wouldn't throw, uh, I would love to see that. I-, I think those two would be really, really hilarious together, and I hope we get that meet cute, whether that's in Infinity War or Avengers 4. Uh, I don't know, and I think it will be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Next question comes from Brentak Prime. What do you think about the rumors of Banner being in the Hulkbuster? Is he still afraid if he hulks out that he won't be able to become Banner again? Also, do you you think we will see Shuri and Stark meet? Uh, Let's tackle the first questions. Yes, I, I totally believe that's Banner in the Hulkbuster. I think at this point, it's not rumor. I think it is 100%. Banner is the uh, Bruce Banner is inside the Hulkbuster armor. I think it was pretty clear on that in the very first trailer. And I think it's only become even more clear as we've seen more footage. Again, there's nothing right now that places Tony Stark in Wakanda. We don't see that uh, in any of this. So um, it's pretty clear that that's what it is, especially because there's no sign of Hulk in the what looks like the beginning of the Battle of Wakanda. But then, of course, we see Hulk later in that huge epic shot. That was towards the end of the first trailer. So there's no doubt about that. And uh, I know there's other information that some of you may be aware of that also points to that. But just in case people aren't keeping up with toys and other stuff and other speculation, I won't say anything more than that. But I think it's it's obviously the best bet at this point. And I think that is the uh, that is absolutely the purpose of it. I think he doesn't want to hulk out. Now, we know he does hulk out because in the first trailer we saw him as he had landed in the Sanctum Sanctorum. He's found by Doctor Strange and Wong. Now, what I think is happening there is Bruce Banner is aboard that Asgardian ship when Thanos attacks that we saw, as we saw being set up in the mid credit scene for Thor Ragnarok. So my guess is that Banner, uh, Banner hulks out at some point. Um, and then, or maybe he just has already been Hulk for a while, but Hulk battles Thanos, and or he's part of it, but then I think Loki uses the Tesseract, which has the Space Stone inside it, of course. So before Thanos gets it from Loki, I think Loki uses that to save some people. I think that's probably how characters like Valkyrie and Korg would survive something like that. And I think that's also how uh, Bruce Banner makes it back to Earth. And at that point, we know that Banner and Tony interact at the Sanctum Sanctorum. So what probably happens is Banner gives Tony kind of the lowdown on, hey, I was Hulk for two years. I could not change back. And I'm afraid that if it happens again, 
um, that this, you know, the next time I turn into Hulk, it'll be the last one. I'll never come back after that. So Tony probably helps him set up and says, I got another set of Hulkbuster armor ready to go. And that's yours. Um, so that's probably, uh, the, that is probably the setup for that. But we know, of course, he's going to Hulk out again because we see him as Hulk in the Battle of Wakanda. Now, as far as whether or not Shuri and Stark will meet, um, I, it's hard to say because, again, we don't have anything that places Tony Stark in Wakanda, and we don't have anything that places Shuri outside of Wakanda yet. Now, I would love for Tony Stark and Shuri to meet. I think they should meet, and it would be terrible if they don't. I think the only reason they wouldn't is if Marvel really shocks us and Tony dies on Titan, uh, because that battle looks pretty bad uh, in terms of the level of destruction that Thanos is causing there. And there is that part of me that wonders, uh, now that we know Thanos goes from Titan to Wakanda, because we saw Thanos and, and Cap together at the end of yesterday's trailer, it really kind of makes me wonder, why did Thanos leave Titan? Is he leaving with those heroes alive or is he leaving because they've died? Or maybe he just leaves because he knows that the, while those heroes are stuck on Titan, they won't be able to get back to help uh, to help everybody in Wakanda in time. And, and of course, Thanos has the Space Stone at this point. So Thanos can go anywhere he wants in the universe by just opening up a portal and that's it. You know, he doesn't have to worry about space travel that's not really it for him he just goes wherever he wants it's as simple as opening a door so i don't know what's going to happen there and i don't know who's going to survive that battle on titan i i'm i'm sure some people do but it's and i i would hope that tony makes it into avengers 4 and i think he will because of uh you know i i don't i don't think the biggest characters are going to die in this one i think some big characters will die in infinity war but i don't think tony and cap are i think they'll make it to avengers 4 and we'll have to see from there so um i so yeah i think there's a good chance that tony and shuri meet but I, i'm just not ready to say it's, it's absolutely guaranteed and we can definitely bet on it but pretty good chance next question comes from andrew custer with the way everything looks to be panning out from what we've seen so far do you think we will get a cliffhanger style ending? Hopefully nothing as clunky or sudden as Matrix Reloaded or poorly timed in the overall narrative like the desolation of Smaug, but a cliffhanger nevertheless. This is a tough one. Now, the huge theory that everybody has or everybody was throwing out yesterday, or maybe not literally everybody, but a lot of people yesterday because Gamora has that line about Thanos always wanting to destroy or take out half of all life in the universe, and if he gets all the Infinity Stones, he can do it with a snap of his fingers, which he does do in the comic books. So a lot of people, I've seen many people throwing it out, throwing out that idea ever since yesterday's trailer of that's how Infinity War is going to end. Thanos is going to get... Uh, all six stones and he's going to snap his fingers and that is going to be the end of the movie and then we'll set up for uh for avengers 4 i could totally see that happening but the russos have maintained and granted maybe they're just doing this to throw people off the scent but they've maintained that these are really two separate films now i don't know that they're really truly as separate as 
like Avengers Age of Ultron compared to Avengers um, or like Black Panther compared to Guardians of the Galaxy. They're obviously not two movies that have nothing to do with each other. We haven't heard about a different villain coming in to be the centerpiece of Avengers 4. It's all still a battle with Thanos as far as we know. So I'm a little curious as to how how they end it because they're not really going to be able to completely wrap up the story. It has to continue a year later with what they've done with Avengers. Um, but I hope, kind of like you said, Andrew, I, I think there's going to be something. I don't know if it's going to be full-blown cliffhanger um, in the way of certainly not with, I hope it's not a desolation of Smaug thing. Like that, that one, you literally cut in the middle of a scene. Like I, I really hope they don't do that in Infinity War. I think there will be something that kind of immediately leads to the next film. It's just kind of hard to see how they'll structure that um, and how how true the Russos are going to stay to this idea that they're completely separate movies. Because if it is a full-on cliffhanger, then they're not really separate movies. Um, although I guess you could say Return of the Jedi or Empire ended on a cliffhanger, and it's still a separate movie from Return of the Jedi. So maybe Empire is kind of the model here because there is a bit of a you know, the status quo is definitely shaken up at the end of Empire, but it still feels semi-complete, maybe not all the way, but it's a mostly complete story. But we just know that there's a lot of stuff that has to happen next. The heroes are not in the best way, and they're going to have to make a comeback. But we really just saw a big battle that the heroes lost in, in Empire Strikes Back, and we wanted to see them win the next one. So maybe that's what it is, is the Avengers lose some sort of battle, but at least enough of them live to fight another day. Uh, that that's what we come back for in Avengers 4. Another question from Andrew. How amazing does the Black Order look? I'm so excited. I think I'm almost more excited to see them than Thanos. The real question, do you think Ebony Ma will have something going on the side as a power play against Thanos? Uh, I doubt it would be finding and controlling Thanos' son, like in the Infinity storyline, but maybe something else. What do you think or hope it would be? Um, well, they're not the Black Order in Infinity War. They're called the Children of Thanos, but at least they honored the name Black Order by renaming Black Dwarf Cole Obsidian, which was the fancier name for the Black Order in uh, in the comic books. But Ebony Maw is my favorite of the Black Order slash Children of Thanos, although I really love Proxima Midnight and Corvus Glaive as well. So I hope we get some good stuff out of Ebony Maw, but I don't think he's going to be having a side power play against Thanos in this one. I think the children of Thanos are going to be full on with Thanos, supporting him, trying to carry out his mission. I absolutely believe that that's what they're doing because we already have a couple children of Thanos, Gamora and Nebula, working against him. And I don't know what Ebony Maw's motivation would be other than of course if he wants to be the one to have the gauntlet and ultimately control it because there's no there's not going to be Thane which was Thanos's son in the comic books that was a big part of the Infinity storyline we know that's not going to be part of it so I, I guess that's possible but I don't I don't think so I do hope that at least some of the children of Thanos survive I I don't think they all will um in their battles with the Avengers but I do hope Ebony Mom makes it out so that even if he doesn't get a chance to really act on his own and, and act against Thanos in this one, that there's still a place for him in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I hope he doesn't get taken out because he's a really interesting character. I love his power, which for those of you who don't know, 
he basically has the power of influence. He can get people to do uh, essentially what he wants. In fact, he takes over Doctor Strange for a bit in the Infinity storyline, which is why I geeked out when you saw uh, Doctor Strange being attacked by Ebony Maw in the trailer. Now, you can see the side of his face in the shot with Doctor Strange, so I'm sure that's him. But the next shot of Ebony Maw shushing, I don't think that he's... I, it doesn't look like he's doing that to Doctor Strange because the background actually looks like the crashed Asgardian ship that we see elsewhere in the trailer. So I think maybe he's shushing Loki um, or perhaps Thor. Um, maybe Loki's begging for his life and he gets shushed by Ebony Maw before uh, we ultimately see... Uh, Thanos. Maybe that's why Loki's so docile as he hands over the Tesseract is Ebony Maw's just basically said, hand it over and Loki's just going to do what he says. Although Loki also looks a little bit scared. But anyway, yeah, I hope Ebony Maw gets some cool moments in this. I don't think he's going to try and betray uh, Thanos in here. I think they're all going to be loyal soldiers or generals in this one. But like I said, I hope I hope a few, I hope a couple, at least a couple of them survive, especially Ebony Maw, because that's a, that is a character who could be a really cool villain down the line uh, for any number of, uh, any number of Marvel heroes. Uh, next question comes in from TJ Lamondo. What are your thoughts on Ant-Man and Hawkeye absences? Could it be tied to spoilers? Also, do you think Heimdall is who helps Thor get off the destroyed Asgardian ship or Loki? Okay, got a lot here. So as far as Ant-Man and Hawkeye, the Russos have kind of addressed Hawkeye a little bit in the uh, set interviews that they did because they did these interviews back in June when journalists got to, vi- uh, got to visit the set. But of course, the embargo only lifted this past week. So that's when we started seeing the information. Now, they kind of said that Hawkeye is on his own path, his own journey. I think that when Hawkeye got out of the raft after civil war i think that really was more of his opportunity to maybe go back to his family um maybe get his family or uh, go in hiding or figure something else out not entirely sure there but i think hawkeye will come into it but i think he's probably not being held back in this one we know jeremy renner was on set you know like he shared in his own social media when he was on set so we know he filmed for an infinity war slash avengers 4 so i don't really i would imagine that maybe there is some spoiler for him but i think he's kind of going to come in maybe similar like civil war where out of nowhere here's hawkeye and he's ready to to jump into it now as for ant-man that one's interesting and a lot of people are saying where's ant-man where's ant-man where's ant-man and i think the answer lies with ant-man and the wasp i i because one of the weird things about Ant-Man and the Wasp is being a movie that takes place, the two movies that are going to be released between Infinity War and Avengers 4, how do you do that if everybody involved in Infinity War is right in the thick of this story and now we're just going to have some side mission for Ant-Man and the Wasp and, and reduce their movie to basically a t- like a tie-in issue for a major crossover event in the comics? And those some tie-in issues can be great, but most of them aren't. So I don't think you would do that with a movie. Captain Marvel, we know we don't have to worry about because that's going to be uh, at least mostly set in the 1990s. So we know it's you know it's not happening during Infinity War. I think Ant-Man and the Wasp, we know that they're going to the quantum realm, right? Because we know that Janet is alive and she's been cast. Michelle Pfeiffer is playing that role. So that tells us that Scott and Hope are going to go into the quantum, and maybe Hank as well, are going to go into the quantum realm to get her out. So maybe what happens is um, Ant-Man and the Wasp takes place. It starts right before Infinity War, 
but the film actually ends after Infinity War because we don't know how much time is, you know, this whole invasion in Infinity War, this could be happening in the span of a couple days. Um, It could be happening in the span of one day for all we know. Um, Although I think it's, yeah, it's more than a day because we have day and night shots and whatever else. So, but it could be happening in such a small time period that what if when Ant-Man and the Wasp starts, there's no indication yet of an alien invasion then they go into the quantum realm and they're there for a while and they complete whatever they have to do. And that's where the story for Ant-Man and the Wasp ends. And then they come out of the quantum realm. And remember, time can work differently in there as well. They come out. And what if they come out and holy crap, like they switch on the news and Wakanda's being invaded. And that's when uh, Ant-Man will enter the, enter the fray in Avengers 4. I think that could absolutely happen uh, in this. And I think that's, the, I think that's why Ant-Man is not being... Uh, shown yet is maybe he's not in this movie and maybe the reason he's not in this movie is because he's not even aware of what's happening because he is elsewhere. Uh, You're not going to be up to date on world events if you're inside the quantum realm retrieving uh, Janet Van Dyne. So I think that's the issue there. Um, Also, do you think Heimdall uh, is who helps Thor uh, get off the destroyed Asgardian ship or Loki? Uh, Well, we know that uh, we see Thanos basically crushing Thor's head in what looks like the same area as that Asgardian, you know, the ruins of that Asgardian ship. So I don't think Thor escapes. I think however that scene ends, Thor is basically left for dead. Maybe Thanos assumes that Thor has died because there's some explosion or whatever else. Um, I I just have to say, and this is pure speculation, by the way, but um, I've had Heimdall very high on my list of characters most likely to die specifically in Infinity War, Um, pretty much ever since Ragnarok. I mean, it's always been my suspicion that he might go, but what we see in in that mid-credit scene of Ragnarok, ever since then, it's like, well, somebody's got to die in that scene, and just narratively anyway... It's a. It's going to be a stronger scene if Thanos destroys somebody that that we know. That's a that's a major character. And so, in terms of who escapes, I, I think the method of escape is the Tesseract. That's you know that's what they can do to open up portals to send people to anywhere in space. And so, I think Loki has that, and which is how I think Banner escapes. Maybe Valkyrie, maybe Korg, um, to go out and warn other people. Uh, throughout the galaxy, that there's this, you know, there's some really big trouble coming uh, by way of of Thanos. So, I think that's kind of what we're, I think that's kind of what we're dealing with on that end. But with Heimdall, I could see him being one of the people who stays behind to fight. Maybe he leaves via the Tesseract, and it's just Thor and Loki who stay behind. So that could be how that, Heimdall really could survive the attack via the Tesseract, just like Banner did. But I just feel I have a suspicion that Heimdall would be the guy who, because remember, this is he was the gatekeeper in Asgard, and so him being that line of defense for Asgard, and I, I think he would take that role seriously and, and give his life for it in this battle with uh, with Thanos, because um, I I don't think the attack on Asgard is what happens first in the movie. Uh, Kevin Feige has said in the first five minutes of Infinity War, Thanos is going to prove why he's the baddest villain in the MCU. But when we see him place the space stone in the gauntlet, the power stone's already there. So I think those five minutes that Feige's talking about are a prologue in which Thanos attacks and possibly destroys Xandar to get that power stone first. Now, of course, we could, wa- we could see the attack on Asgard first and then get the Xandar attack via flashback. But 
You know, the attack on Xandar will be big, but there's no character on Xandar that the audience is nearly as connected with, um, that is as well known as, as Heimdall. Now, the only way that I could see Heimdall surviving that attack is if Loki dies in this same attack, is if as soon as Loki hands over the Tesseract, Thanos immediately kills him. I do think Loki is going to die in one of these next two Avengers movies. To me, it's more of a question. And again, this is just speculation. I'm not spoiling anything. Um, but I do think he's going to die. And so you don't have to take out two major characters in that uh, attack with Thanos on the Asgardian ship. But I do wonder if if Loki is kept alive for a little bit um, just to because he promises to work with Thanos or something else, although it's kind of interesting that we haven't seen Loki anywhere else in the movie or in any other footage. So if Loki doesn't die in that scene, then I think Heimdall definitely dies. If Loki dies, then Heimdall could die as well, but maybe, just maybe, Heimdall makes it out and he's part of the warning committee that goes out to elsewhere in the universe to uh, try and let everybody know that, that Thanos is coming. Uh... Next question comes from Maurice Lee. With Captain Marvel around the corner, do we maybe see our first Skrull sleeper in the post-credit tag of this film? Uh, if we do, I'm willing to make a $1 bet with anyone that the sleeper is Maria Hill. She is oddly always around, yet seemingly has minimal importance. Also, with all the, uh, with all the cosmic breaching and portals happening, does the MCU use this to seed the idea of human mutation in hopes of harvesting it at a later date. Um, okay, so I don't think we'll see a scroll in uh, in Infinity War just because it, there's too much else going on that you're trying to explain to the audience. Because remember, you have to do a lot of work for the audience on Thanos, and that's why I thought it was so great to have Gamora uh, getting so much focus in the trailer yesterday because she has... She's the best point of contact regarding Thanos within the MCU for the audience uh, because she knows that character better than anyone else. She literally grew up with the character after he kidnapped her and after he had murdered her parents. And we actually saw him taking her in this trailer, which I thought was a great, uh, a great flashback to include. Now, uh, because of all that, you're still having to explain Infinity Stones for everybody who's not hip on the explanation that, that happened in Guardians. You got to catch everybody up on Thanos. Scrolls coming out of nowhere would just, I, I don't know that that's the best call, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Captain Marvel show up either at the very, very, very end of the movie um, or in a mid or post credit scene uh, to set up and show and kind of promote her, her solo film next March. So I do think that could happen. As far as whether or not Maria Hill would be a scroll, I'm good either way on that. I mean, Maria Hill, I, I really like her in the comics. I don't really love what they've done with her in the MCU. She hasn't been portrayed in a way where it's believable that she would take over for Nick Fury, uh, but there is no shield anymore as far as the movies are concerned. So I guess that's really kind of a, a moot point anyway. Um, but uh, And then with the idea of human mutation... I don't think any of that would happen in Infinity War. It could happen in Avengers 4. Um, but yes, I, I believe that the Infinity Gauntlet, and particularly something like the Reality Stone, could absolutely retroactively uh, set up the mutant gene in the MCU if they really wanted to use that as a way to introduce mutants without saying that you know mutants only emerged after all this other stuff happened in the MCU. Um, so yeah, that could be... 
uh, Avengers four could be the key to, uh, you know, unlocking that next phase. But I think again, it would be more likely to happen in Avengers four, just because there's not, there wasn't enough time with this whole Fox deal being announced to really cram anything into infinity war. But if they want to make a couple dialogue adjustments in Avengers four, um, or, you know, with some additional photography, they could do that. I don't really anticipate that they would, because remember, all of that could be explained in an X-Men movie of the, this happened like in, and it could be, they could connect it back to Avengers four after the fact, they don't have to do it during either of these Avengers movies. Um, and I don't really know that they should because these movies should be about, uh, culminating everything that's already happened in the MCU. They shouldn't necessarily be about setting up the next thing. You can always just do that, uh, do that later. Another question from Maurice um, do we ever find out how Thanos found Loki and what happened to him while being educated by the Mad Titan Thanos? Uh, I agree with you that Loki dies in this film. Do you mean Tom Hiddleston Loki because there are other versions of Loki in the comics? Uh, does the presumed destruction of Xandar possibly set up a new cosmic landscape that maybe creates films for Nova, dare I say Darkhawk, who Marvel Comics seems to be attempting to revive? Um... I don't know exactly how Thanos finds Loki, um, but remember that the other told Loki in Avengers that there's no, there'll be no crevice where he can't find you um, if you if you fail from the Avengers. So I think uh, Thanos probably has tons of people working for him throughout the uh, throughout the universe, and Asgard being destroyed certainly makes a lot of noise and. Uh, so no, and it's so it's probably not a secret that Asgard is just out there floating on a ship in space, or what's left of the Asgardian people. So I don't think it would have been that hard for uh, for Thanos to find Loki. Um, and if he does kill Loki, I think it, I think it would be that Loki is dead. I, I don't think they're going to do this thing. I know that Loki could be resurrected in a different physical form at some point, and maybe they would do that years down the line, but. I think for all intents and purposes, at least for the foreseeable future, Loki would be dead, dead. And I, because I, I think if they play around too much with the idea of bringing people back to life, and I know they've already done that uh, a couple times, then, then I, I think people will respond negatively to Infinity War and Avengers Four anyway. I think people want a sense of finality with at least some of these characters. I don't share the same bloodlust that everybody else does of like main characters got to die or else this is bullshit. I don't feel that way, the way that other people do. I don't. I don't know when we started rooting for our heroes to die, and Loki's not necessarily one of our heroes, but he's a character that a lot of people love and enjoy seeing. But I think the bigger reason why Loki can die is that Thor is finally interesting enough on his own that in a four, and Ragnarok really calls out how predictable the whole Thor Loki thing has become, and so you kind of just see that it's kind of identified in Ragnarok as almost a bit of a crutch in the story, and they don't need that anymore. They've worked through it, and. I think Loki's arc, you know, from the very first movie, like there's, there's been this build towards redemption, and maybe the last piece of redemption that he has is saving some people with the Tesseract um, in Infinity War. If he survives that moment with Thanos, maybe he gets to uh, live on and, and have another moment of, uh, and, and an even bigger moment of redemption. But we'll just, uh, we'll just have to see. Um, and I think if Xandar is completely destroyed then you could have that. I mean, the comic books did have the Nova Corps kind of wiped out and then brought back. So that certainly could set things up. I'm not a he I'm not with everybody who's ready for Richard Ryder. Um, I would just skip to Sam Alexander personally, because I 
I think he has more to offer to build out this teenage side of superheroes that you could have now with Spider-Man and Shuri and hopefully Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan. I kind of really hope a lot of that gets, uh, gets built up. And Maurice says, final round of questions, I swear. <laughs> Do we finally get the Avengers Assemble scene that we have not gotten in 15 years? Uh, if Iron Man does die, do ACDC record sales take a slight hit? Uh, do you think Nick Fury appears in either film, and does he survive? Finally, once Avengers 3 and 4 passed, does that set the stage for Phase 4, which I would guess is a kree scroll War, uh, Operation Galactic Storm, Secret Invasion scenario? Thanks for whatever answers you can provide. Okay, so... Um, Maybe on Avengers Assemble. I, I really don't know. I, I would hope so. It'd be great to finally hear uh, Cap say that line. Um, I would love to see him say that, you know, for a kind of a last stand against Thanos. Um, that would be great. I would love to see it, but I have no idea if we're actually going to get to hear him say it. Um, yeah, ACDC record sales probably just fine. In fact, I would say they would go up because people would be buying more ACDC records to honor Iron Man if he died. Uh, and then as far as Nick Fury... Your guess is as good as mine. Um, you know, Samuel L. Jackson had said that he wasn't included in those films, but we know he's in Captain Marvel. Um, I hope he makes it into Avengers, at least Avengers 4. If he doesn't make it into Infinity War, okay, but I would love to see him get back in there at, at some point. Um, I mean, I'm glad that we're at least going to see him again before Avengers 4 with Captain Marvel, but um, so I think there's probably a good chance Nick Fury pops up. Um now, as far as with the, the scrolls being introduced, uh, and then does that set the stage for Phase 4? Well, the Kree-Scroll War is going to be factored into Captain Marvel. Kevin Feige said that last year uh, at Comic-Con. So it's not just about the scrolls showing up. The Kree-Scroll War is a big part of it. Um, and Secret Invasion, once the scrolls are introduced, obviously you can set up a lot of stuff with Secret Invasion. But I don't think Marvel is going to immediately jump into what's the next big crossover story after Avengers 4? You know, Kevin Feige has been very vague about what Marvel's going to do. In fact, most of the time, he's you would swear they're not doing anything with the way that he talks, although he has said, I mean, they have films planned and, and all of that. But, um, you know, I, I think that this idea that, you know, because we've spent so much time now building to Infinity War that I think it would almost be a mistake if Marvel immediately starts saying, and here's our next big thing that's going to bring all force all the heroes to come together again that would almost feel daunting if they do that uh, right away because after telling this at the end of avengers 4 it's 22 movies over 11 years uh, to just jump into here's the next big thing we're doing as an audience you might go oh man like it's just kind of like after you read a huge the end you know the end of a long comic book arc that culminates in a big crossover event you don't really want to immediately jump into what's the next big event. In fact, comic book fans complain, uh, complain about that all the time, especially now where, you know, Marvel, for example, in comic books, they run about two major events every year and people just have event fatigue of just, you know, these events can't mean as much if we're always just thinking about the next one that's coming. And so I think Marvel will take a little bit of a different approach uh, in terms of their phase structure um, with whatever you want to call. It. And I think they'll do that for a little while and then, you know, maybe the, eventually they'll get back into it. So I don't necessarily think we're just going to right away start building into secret invasion or, or anything else, really. I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of a different approach. 
So that's it for our questions from Patreon. So let's go ahead and let's jump over to Facebook. If I can pull up those questions. Let me just go ahead and refresh there to make sure I have everybody included. Let's see, okay. So our next question comes from Alessio Pasquale. Uh, who do you think Peter Dinklage is playing since there are rumors his character is tied to the storyline involving Thor and Rocket and Groot? So the the rumors is basically, it's not really a rumor, it's just fan speculation. But yeah, a lot of people have uh, picked Peter Dinklage to be playing Eitri, uh, which is the, who is the king of the dwarfs, um, although, well, not all dwarves, but he's a dwarf who um, is also like the greatest weapon maker in the universe. And we know that Thor is out in pursuit of a new weapon and he gets a new weapon in Avengers Infinity War. So um, yeah, that would be a, an easy place to put Peter Dinklage in. We know he didn't, he didn't work on the film uh, super long because that was, an, that was even part of the idea of him being in the movie in the first place was you know, having to be able to balance that out with his appearance in the, uh, in the final season of uh, Game of Thrones. So I think it's going to be, you know, we'll have to see what ultimately, uh, we'll have to see what ultimately happens there. But I don't know. I mean, if that's the role, fine, that's okay. And that can be fun. But as soon as I heard Peter Dinklage being involved with Infinity War, I actually wanted him to be the voice of Ebony Maw. Now, I know there were actors who played the Children of Thanos on set who did the performance capture, but Kevin Feige also said that it would be familiar voices, voices that we would recognize as the Children of Thanos when we heard them speak in, uh, in Infinity War. And it, I don't know if that's the case for uh, all four of them, although there were five members of the Black Order, but there's just four that were picked to be Children of Thanos in Infinity War that we've seen so far. Supergiant was left out. Um, but... As far as, uh, you know, those voices, Peter Dinklage has a very recognizable voice, and I would love for him to be Ebony Maw. I think he would be perfect. But if he's going to be playing, uh, if he's going to be purely live action in the film, then, yeah, Etri it seems to be a character that would fit. I know a lot of people also uh, looked at Pip the Troll, who was a character connected to Thanos since, I mean, the 70s with, uh, you know, the Captain Marvel comics and, and all the way up through uh, Infinity Gauntlet. So that's another option for him. But I think that's a little less likely because there's also a really strong Adam Warlock connection with Pip the Troll. And there is no, and Adam Warlock is not in either of these next two Avengers movies. So I would say that, yes, Dinklage is either Etri, who, you know, helping Thor make his weapon in Infinity War. If not, then he is one of the voices of the children of Thanos. And the most likely candidates would be Corvus Glaive or Ebony Maw. And if that's the case, I would certainly prefer. Uh, I would prefer Ebony Maw. Next question comes from Fazil Khan. Where and what is the Soul Stone? Um, he also asked if Peter Dinklage is playing Etri, which I answered there. And will James Gunn feature Galactus and Silver Surfer in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? I don't know where or what the Soul Stone is. My speculation has been that maybe it's somewhere in Wakanda because the heart-shaped, you know, what else was in there? You know, I know that they didn't, even though it wasn't brought up in Black Panther, that doesn't mean the Soul Stone isn't located in Wakanda. But 
just think of the properties that vibranium has. Think of the properties that came out of that meteorite that struck Wakanda, you know, that's the vibranium mound that they've been mining. It doesn't just have the ability to create, uh, it's not just full with vibranium, it also infused the plant life. And that includes the heart-shaped herb. And what does the heart-shaped herb allow people to do? It allows them to enter the ancestral plane and speak with the souls of their ancestors. So it kind of sounds to me like somewhere in that vibranium mound is the soul stone, and that has impacted uh, Wakanda. And I, I, we know that vision is in Wakanda, and, and that is a perfectly... Uh, good enough. That is a good enough reason by itself for Thanos to attack Wakanda to get the Mind Stone off of Vision. But what if not only are they there for the Mind Stone, unbeknownst to our heroes, Thanos also knows that the Soul Stone is there and gets that at the same time. I think that has to be right now. I've got Wakanda as the most likely place for the Soul Stone, but that's really more of a shot in the dark. I don't really know. I think the Soul Stone, um, it's going to be some sort of surprise where it's located because it's been it's the only infinity stone that hasn't been introduced or addressed in any way uh in the marvel cinematic universe so far but um so yeah it's either going to come from some place we've never heard of but if it's going to come it could come from a place we've never heard of but if it does come from a place we have heard of then right now i'm uh, my my guess is wakanda but i'll probably end up being wrong on that um, no, I don't believe James Gunn is going to feature Galactus and Silver Surfer in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. He actually said, he did a Facebook Live Q&A uh, like a month or two ago where he said that the Fox deal is not going to impact uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So that should tell you right now that he, he certainly doesn't have plans for any major characters like Galactus or Silver Surfer. But even though that's not going to happen in the main story of Volume 3... There's always the chance that Silver Surfer could pop up in a post credit scene or, or something like that. So I, I won't completely rule it out. But for the main purposes of the story, though, no, I don't believe that Galactus or Silver Surfer will factor in. Uh, next question comes from David Price. Uh, do you try to see these in 3D or do you think it's overrated? I feel like my local theaters are trying to move away from it, only offering one showing at 10.30 p.m., it really depends on the movie, whether or not I try to see it in 3D. Um, it's not necessarily, like not, I don't even think all the Marvel movies are good in, in 3D. Even the more recent ones, I know a lot of the early ones weren't that great, but even some of the more recent ones, um, I don't care as much about seeing in 3D. The, usually the ones that are more uh, cosmic do well in 3D. Like I thought Guardians of the Galaxy volume, I thought the first one, but then especially the second Guardians movie played really well in 3D. I'll probably check out Infinity War in 3D at least once. Um, it's not necessarily uh, something I, I have to do. Um, I, I mean, I like 3D. I don't dislike it, but I don't feel like it's always a, a necessity for me. But usually, because I see these Marvel movies multiple times in theaters, I usually make at least one trip to uh, see them in 3D. Uh, but I, I, I've noticed the same thing you have, David, in that... It, I've definitely seen them being uh, phased, phased out, 3D showings being phased out. There's not as many of them as there used to be. In fact, when 3D was was really big uh, a few years ago, maybe more than a few years ago now, but um, a lot, especially for these kinds of movies, there were almost there were either just as many or more showings in 3D than there were in 2D, and that's because 
you know, the 3D ticket price is higher and obviously theaters pocketing more money in, in the studio as well. But audiences, especially in North America, have not necessarily embraced 3D, or at least they did not continue to embrace 3D. So, for example, one of my favorite theaters to go to is the IMAX theater at the, uh, the Chinese theater in Hollywood. Uh, TCL Chinese Theater IMAX in Hollywood is one of my favorite spots to go. And their, even in their, for a while, their all IMAX showings were 3D. But actually at TCL, uh, they, they split 2D and, uh, and uh, 3D showings for IMAX. Um, so for Infinity War, right now I'm going to go to a 2D showing in IMAX, but I'll probably go back for a, uh, a 3D showing as well. But so I do still try to see them in 3D, but it's just more of like a here. Let me have one more way to check out the film. But unless the opening night showing is in 3D, uh, that's usually not the way I choose to see the film first. Um, so, yeah, 3D is not uh, generally speaking, 3D is not my preference, but it is just another way to it's basically just another way to experience the film for me. Uh, next question comes from Dennis Byron Gonzalez. Is it possible the film could have a mid or end credit scene with Phil Coulson, S.H.I.E.L.D. and or Nick Fury? If anything could reunite Coulson and S.H.I.E.L.D. with the Avengers, Thanos would be it. I do not believe Phil Coulson is going to come back in Avengers Infinity War or Avengers 4. Um, if you're, I won't spoil what's going on with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but there's stuff going on there that would cast even greater doubt on that. But... Uh, I don't think it's going to happen because I just it just knowing that most of the people who watch Marvel movies do not watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, have never watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Not just never mind the people who started watching the show and then, you know, eventually stopped. Um, most people who see Marvel movies never even started. So as far as they're concerned, uh, Coulson is dead. And I don't think they're going to go through this whole thing of stopping the momentum of the story in Avengers 3 or 4 just to explain to a bunch of people, to have to explain to most of the audience why this guy who was dead in Avengers uh, is alive or why it even means anything because some people in the mainstream audience won't even remember that Coulson was a character who showed up in Phase 1 and then died in Avengers. A lot of people won't even, uh, you know, many people would have forgotten about him by now. So then you're trying to have to, you're having to explain why this guy's important, why this moment means something. I think a better spot for Coulson that requires very little explanation and at the same time gets to get, gives an opportunity to at least have a momentary homage to the character is in Captain Marvel because it's set in the 1990s before Coulson died. So Coulson had been around S.H.I.E.L.D. long enough that if they wanted to say that he was kind of a rookie agent or something like that in the 90s, I don't think he would have a featured role in Captain Marvel but at least some sort of cameo with Clark Gregg and like with obviously doing the CG de-aging that they have to do and maybe even having like a different hairpiece or something like that, a younger version of Coulson and Captain Marvel, I think that would be the better way to do it, to give Coulson uh, one quick homage uh, in the, uh, before we get the, the finale of the first three phases of the MCU and Avengers 4. Captain Marvel seems like the best place. Um, but then as far as Nick Fury, as I said before, I, I think there's a spot for him in either one of these films. I just don't know where exactly that's going to be. Um, but since he has a direct connection to Carol Danvers, maybe when she comes back, 
uh, to I presume when she comes when she uh, enters the story in Avengers four, that's a place for Nick Fury to be like, yeah, I know who that is. She's here to help. Don't worry about it. Um, next question comes from Luis Salazar. Hi, Luis. When are you going to incorporate a call-in feature? I don't know. That's something I can certainly look into. Um, but you guys are now calling in via proxy, via social media, so I guess that works for now. Uh, Peter Bain- uh, Bainbridge asks, "Where's Ant Man?" Um, yeah, as I explained before, I think it's more of a connection to uh, Ant Man. I think he's busy in the quantum realm when Avengers, when all the fun starts with Avengers Four, at least that, uh, or Avengers Infinity War. Excuse me. Uh, that's my guess for right now. Uh, next question from Daniel S. Wright. Uh, do you think the, the second film will simply be called Infinity War Part 2 or something else? I know studios have been reluctant with the Part 2 titles lately after the underperformance of Twilight and Hunger Games finales, but I think Avengers movies are big enough to warrant the Part 2. And personally, I love a cliffhanger a la Empire Strikes Back. As a side question, what do you think about the final shot of the film? Uh, the final shot of the film will be the gauntlet being put on in Thanos, then Snap. Um, well, I mentioned the the uh, snapping his fingers speculation before and the idea of a cliffhanger, but as far as calling it Part 2, I, I don't think they'll call it Infinity War Part 2 because it already was called Infinity War Part 2 and they took that off. So it would be really weird to uh, drop, Infinity, drop uh, Infinity War Part 2 from the title just to put it back on. Um, people might feel like they were kind of lied to in that, uh, especially because they've been also, you know, everybody's also been saying these are really two separate films. Uh, so I, I don't think they would, uh, I don't think they would make that call. Um, I don't know what the title is going to be. I know some people have thought, you know, you could call it infinity gauntlet. You could call it secret wars. You could add in some other just famous Marvel comic book subtitle to, uh, to add to it. I don't really know what it'll be. Um, I'm really more interested to know like when we'll when we're gonna find out because my assumption and I think a lot of people had had assumed that we would end up finding out the title to Avengers Four right at the end of Infinity War. I always thought that you know because Marvel loves to do that whole uh, you know X Y Z character will will return in or the Avengers will return in. And I thought that's what would happen in Infinity War. And maybe it still will. The credits will roll and we will see. The Avengers will return in and then we'll get the name of the fourth Avengers film. But now I'm not sure that that's going to happen because the Russos had said in an interview a couple months back that they weren't going to reveal the title right away. That they wanted people to kind of sit with Infinity War for a little while before revealing the title of the fourth film now if that's the case if the russos really do mean that and and marvel studios and disney of course and everybody's on board with it if they really want the audience to kind of have time to digest infinity war before they reveal a title for the fourth film then i i think the most likely time and place that they would reveal the title uh, would be comic con in july when they do their big uh presumably would do their big hall h panel on the the Saturday of San Diego Comic Con, uh, and that would be a great place to uh, to reveal the title if they don't want to throw it in right with uh, right with Avengers Four. Although we all know at this point, most of us know Avengers Four is coming, so I don't think it would really hurt anything if they put the title of the next film in those credits. But if they're not going to do that, then yeah, I would say Comic Con. Um, but I do hope it's a different name. I, I don't want it to be Part Two anymore because they had their chance to do that and they they skipped it. 
what what I do think is successful though, what they've done very successfully to your point, Daniel, about how other part twos have, uh, you know, like the part twos for twilight and hunger games underperformed is Marvel has done a very, very, very good job of making most of the world forget or not really be super aware of, or at least thinking about the fact that there's a, another Avengers movie only a year after Infinity War. They've done a really good job of keeping the world focused on Infinity War and not so much Avengers 4. I mean, they talk about it. They bring it up uh, in interviews and stuff. It, it's not like they don't talk about it at all, but they've done such a great job with the marketing for Infinity War that people are already looking at this film as the finale when we know that it's more of the beginning of the finale. Uh, but I guess for some characters, it could be the finale. We don't know. But... Um, and, you know, so they've done a really good, uh, a really good job of that. So, cause th- that would have been my fear. Maybe some people would skip infinity war because they just know that they can catch up with that, uh, as a rental and then watch, uh, Avengers four and get the very end. But no, everybody clearly is interested in infinity war. And then it's just making sure that movie's good, uh, really, really good so that everybody comes back for Avengers four, uh, just a year later. But I, I don't know that Marvel's going to run into that problem the way other studios have, because they did, they skipped the idea of making it a part one and part two. And if they really do uh, convince people that these are separate films um, and don't make people think they only got half of a movie or they got a movie that stalled, because I think that was the problem with Hunger Games is that third Hunger Games movie um, really just feels a lot like it's stalling for the finale. And I don't think Infinity War is going to feel that way. So I don't think it's going to sour an audience uh, in a way that will impact the box office of Avengers 4. But who knows? Uh, we will we'll ultimately see. But I do want it to be a different title. Um, and I, I kind of hope they don't wait till Comic-Con to reveal it. But if they do, that's fine. Uh, another question comes in from... Uh, thoughts uh, comes in from Thomas Olsen. Thoughts about Hawkeye and his whereabouts. Also, do you think he will bite the dust? Um, Hawkeye just seems like too easy of a character to kill. I mean, I c- it almost feels to me like uh, that ship sailed uh, when it comes to the idea of, of killing off Hawkeye um, because they really teased that big time in Avengers Age of Ultron and then they ultimately didn't do it. And so I kind of feel like maybe that's not the best call. Uh, you know, maybe that's not the best call now. It, it seems like you know they had that opportunity and they, they passed on it. If they did it now... It would almost just kind of feel like, well, yeah, but didn't everybody kind of figure that Hawkeye was going to die anyway? So I don't know that it really comes back to this idea of, um, you know, I don't know that it would have the shock value that maybe you would want from a character death. So even though I could see it happening, I kind of feel like Hawkeye is, there's just going to be something different going on with him. Now, as far as his whereabouts, I don't know if he went back to the farm. Um, I know some people would think that he's definitely a fugitive, but... Scott Lang was busted out of the raft, and he doesn't appear to be a fugitive in Ant-Man and the Wasp. He's sitting there in whatever house the FBI is at uh, in that story, and he doesn't appear to be under arrest, and it looks like maybe he even has, like, uh, that he's kind of under house arrest. So I wonder if Scott Lang and Clint Barton both did the same, both opted to do the same thing of, yes, Cap uh, was going to bust us out of the prison, but we either they either decided to stay or they got out of the raft, but then turned themselves in and negotiated different deals um, of being under house arrest so that they can't be avenging anymore. 
And maybe that goes back into Carrie's question at the very beginning with the Sokovia Accords. Maybe that's why some heroes aren't coming out right away is they have to, uh, they're, they haven't been told they can leave the house yet or something like that. I'm not, again, not entirely sure what's going to happen there, but I could see Hawkeye being very resistant to the idea of, uh, coming back and, and, or maybe he's on again, some other path that he feels that is going to be of more value to the Avengers. I know a lot of fans are now speculating that he's in pursuit of the soul stone. I don't really know if that's going to be it. Uh, you know, Hawkeye hasn't really paid that much attention to cosmic affairs, which is not to say that he couldn't. Um, yeah, I think he's more, more likely just dealing with, uh, being a dad and (laughs) being a husband, trying to, maybe get some normalcy in his life. And then eventually he's of course going to be, uh, of course going to be brought back and we'll have to see, uh, we'll have to see what happens there. So that wraps up all of the questions. I do want to share a few more thoughts on the Avengers infinity war trailer before I get out of here. Um, I, I would just say that I, I really thought it was a great trailer yesterday. And in terms of, uh, you know, how I think things are fitting together, that's what I want to go over. So, um, I'm kind of going to go over a little bit of what's in that video and you can see it much more clearly there because you can literally see it and not just hear it. But in terms of how I see this story breaking down. So if you don't want to know or even think about how all the footage that we've seen connects, then thank you so much for, for listening. And then we'll catch you on the, on the next episode. But, um, the reason I want to share some of that is because I, I feel like we're kind of getting a sense of how things are coming together. I mean, I, I think Xandar gets attacked first. That doesn't necessarily mean we will see it first, but we know Xandar is the first infinity stone that Thanos gets. And I think that sets up, uh, you know, his attack. Uh, then of course his attack on the Asgardian ship, I think sets up a lot of what we end up seeing in New York because Bruce Banner is sent to the Sanctum Sanctorum. I think that's what gets Tony Stark to visit the Sanctum Sanctorum. Um, which is where he is when it looks like a New York invasion begins when one of those Q ships shows up. So Iron Man and Doctor Strange get into that battle, probably with some children of Thanos and some Outriders. Uh, and then yeah, I don't think Thanos is there. I, I, I don't believe so. Like, I, I think he's, I, I don't, I think when we see him on Earth for the first time, it'll probably be in Wakanda. I think it's just the children of Thanos for that initial invasion in New York. We obviously know that Peter Parker sees it from the bus and then swings into action as Spider-Man. And there's that shot actually in the trailer of the Q ship go- of the Q ship actually going up into Earth's atmosphere and Iron Man in pursuit of it. And I think the reason he's in pursuit is because Spider-Man is on it and going to run out of air or just freeze to death in space or burn up in Earth's atmosphere, whatever happens first. Um, you know, I think that's Tony Stark is going to save Spider-Man and... Uh, because we see that shot of Spider-Man on the Q ship as it's you know getting up out of Earth's atmosphere in uh, in the Super Bowl spot, and so I think they pretty much go onto the Q ship from there, and I think that's where Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and Iron Man are together, and where Iron Man probably gives Peter uh, the Iron Spider suit so he can use that, you know, or maybe they stop it and then they leave on there, and I think you know, cause you have to figure out how these event, how these characters get to Titan. And I think they're, I think they take the Q ship and I think it's easier to find Titan. I joked in the video that it's like hitting the home button on the navigation system. And maybe that's it, uh, to find out where they need to go to try and confront the source of this invasion, which is Thanos. And I think like when, uh, 
when Tony Stark says, tell me his name again, I don't, I think he's talking to Banner or maybe Dr. Strange getting the name of Thanos. That's not Gamora the way it's cut in the, the trailer. Cause it looks like Tony's still in the Sanctum Sanctorum. Um, so meanwhile, as all that's going on, uh, there's another attack on Vision and Wanda. And I think Captain America, Black Widow, and maybe Falcon help save them. And they take everybody to Wakanda to try and stage that defense for Earth. Meanwhile, I think Thor has been found in, uh, and this all isn't necessarily all the order that's going to happen in, because some things are going to juggle a bit and be cut back and forth, obviously. But you know, the the Guardians find Thor in space, you know, stranded in space after Thanos's attack on the Asgardian ship. Thor goes with Rocket and Groot to get his new weapon before they go back to before they head to Wakanda to help everybody else on Earth. And uh, I think that. We see in the trailer, uh, we see Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, and Mantis. Uh, they, we see them arriving on what looks to be nowhere because we see a mining pod uh, in the shot. And once they know, uh, because they've run into Thor, once they're catching up on the, once they know that Thanos is really now creating uh, in the middle of a full, full-scale assault to get these Infinity Stones, they know that the Collector... Um, I'm sure Thor, if they didn't already know, Thor can tell them because Thor knows where the Asgardians took the ether, the reality stone. So they probably go off to nowhere to talk to the collector and try and retrieve or protect the reality stone. And then who knows what, whatever they find there. Gamora probably knows what Thanos' home planet is, but in terms of what prompts them to go to Titan, um, it may be information that they find out while they're on nowhere. So when they go to Titan, they see they that's where they're going to end up meeting up with Iron Man, Doctor Strange, and and Spider Man, and now we're going to end up with now that that's going to be a confrontation with Thanos, and so we'll see how that ends. We also there is a shot of Nebula, I think it was in the Super Bowl spot, um, or maybe that was one of the other one of the two trailers, but there's a shot of Nebula on Titan, and I kind of think she might be the key piece on Titan that maybe helps some heroes survive. Because I, I also have Nebula very high on my list of characters who will die in Infinity War. Because um, I don't think anybody of the main Guardians team will. Because I don't think James Gunn would have been super happy about that. But Nebula has set her course for Thanos very firmly after Volume 2. And so I kind of think that will come to a head. And I don't know if that's going to work out for Nebula. Although it would be great for her character if she actually ends up being one of the final people to help uh, the Avengers and Guardians defeat Thanos in Avengers 4. Um, but we shall see on that. Karen Gillan was part of the filming very, very deep into the production, even through when they were definitely filming more Avengers 4. So I don't necessarily know that she's going to bite it in Infinity War. But so that makes me think that maybe she'll help get some characters out of there, uh, get some characters out of Titan alive. And then maybe that'll set up everybody reuniting either later in this movie or in Avengers 4. Uh, but then after that attack with Titan, I think then we move on to Wakanda. The reason why I stress Wakanda, hap- all that stuff happening, at least the battle of Wakanda happening so late in the film, is Kevin Feige said in that Entertainment Weekly coverage that the entire third act of the movie takes place in Wakanda. Now, I don't know if that's literally every single minute of the third act takes place in Wakanda, but that certainly should be the the center stage for the main events of the third act. It seems to be Wakanda. So I think that's where we're going to see. Uh, some heavy losses for the Avengers and for the Guardians. And I think that actually sets up a lot of interesting stuff for Black Panther 2, which I talked about in our Q&A episode that'll be up on the Patreon soon. Um, but anyway, I think, yeah, a lot of this stuff with Wakanda is going to be big. And and that confrontation between Steve and Thanos, I think that's that's going to be really interesting to see where all that leads because there's uh, also in that trailer you see 
uh, in the you see them in the jungles of Wakanda. You see uh, Wanda and Vision kind of looking at each other, and and the, the expressions on their face are very ominous, and it almost looks like they both kind of know what's about to happen, and this might be uh, where we find out if Vision can survive without the Mind Stone. And most people are gonna say probably not, at least not right away. Uh, so this could be the death of Vision, and. Seeing Steve struggle against Thanos, it made me think of another shot in the Super Bowl footage, which is that shot of Bucky running and screaming while holding that gun. And that could be happening at any place in the Battle of Wakanda, completely. You know, it may have nothing to do with the Steve Rogers and uh, Thanos confrontation. But if it is part of that sequence, it just made me think of, you know, Steve and Bucky with each other till the end of the line. What if this is the end of the line for one or both of them? If it's one, then I would say it's probably just Bucky. Um, but who knows? And I, I'd still be surprised if Cap or Tony really die in Infinity War. But it's really, it's really hard to rule out. But I could see Steve losing Bucky for sure in, uh, in the uh, in the final moments of Infinity War or somewhere clo- in the third act of Infinity War. Um, but we'll we'll have to see. It's really just speculation on my part. But that's just kind of how I see the structure of the film beginning to form. But all that's based on like a total of what five you know five to six minutes, or probably no less than that, because like the first the two trailers add up to roughly five minutes with the Super Bowl spot. So just over five minutes of a two and a half hour movie. So really, there's tons of stuff that we haven't seen, and I'm sure there are going to be big surprises. I don't think I've successfully mapped out uh, the whole movie just based on five minutes of uh, of footage. But at least, you know, I think there are some things where we can kind of see how at least some sections of the film are, are coming together and being sequenced. But I also think there's a reason why the trailers have focused so much on just a few sequences in the movie so that that way they can leave a lot of room elsewhere for some big surprises. But I really thought that this was a great trailer and and I think the most effective thing that it did was not only have they successfully created this idea of a major event and you know showing these some of these characters coming together for the first time and and obviously Thanos is the biggest baddest villain in the MCU I think they've done all that very well in in the marketing but I think Gamora was so critical in that trailer yesterday and and I think that because she created some some really strong emotional stakes uh, within Infinity War, because again, she knows Thanos the best. She knows the severity of what everybody is about to have to, uh, what everybody is about to deal with. She knows that better than anyone, and so I think it's really, really great that we see that uh, in uh, in this trailer. And I think that's a huge thing for the audience to really kind of get a better sense of Thanos, because most of them don't know Thanos from the comics, so he really is just the purple guy in a chair. Uh, this whole time in the MCU, so really stepping up the idea of this guy as a as a huge threat, the biggest threat the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy have ever faced. Um, they've really done that, I think, in a very big way uh, in this trailer, and I'm, I'm so excited about it. I can't wait to see the movie, and that's why I couldn't wait to just talk about it, and I wanted to jump in and, and answer some questions, so thank you to all of you who sent in questions for this episode. I think I got to everybody who sent in a question, so hopefully you enjoyed this, and if you want to have more from the Marvel Studios News podcast, as I said, we're on the road to Infinity War. We talked about Guardians in our last episode. Uh, We've gone through 11 films so far. Guardians was the 10th, but we also included Black Panther as that film came out, so we've got seven more to go, uh, beginning with 
uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. That'll be out uh, this coming week. Our Black Panther Q&A episode will be up on our Patreon for the people who are subscribing to that tier. Uh, and we have tons more uh, coming. And then, like I said before, a lot of exclusive content available for you at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News if you sign up and support the show. Of course, I'm grateful for the support you've already given just by listening. Um, and also would appreciate any additional support by liking the Facebook page, commenting on, sharing articles, sharing the podcast. And that's, again, facebook.com slash Marvel Studios News. Uh, and also on Twitter at Marvel Newscast if you want to give us a follow over there and continue to share some of the content we provide. And also check out all the articles that I post every day at marvelstudiosnews.com. So, again, thank you all to sending in the questions. If you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can do that at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So thank you all so much for participating in this, sending the questions and listening. Uh, Love you guys. Love all the support. Take care, and we will see you next time. 